0: Welcome back to episode 235 of the FPL Surgery podcast. We're recording tonight. It's it's a Monday. It's the 6th of December, and it's just before the Arsenal against Everton game kicks off, just to timestamp it. So we know that Smith Rowe, for example, isn't even on the bench, so there's going to be more bench points coming in. Um, but we don't know the score of that game. I guess the only real impact is going to be if there's, if there's clean sheets or not. The headlines this week, we're going to discuss the Manchester City midfielders. Um, we're going to discuss Spurs. Spurs assets, I guess that's mainly Son and Kane. And whether we're going to be looking at replacing those players with Man United players, then West Ham as well. There's a fixture swing. Obviously, a lot of people have had Antonio, but now Bowen seems to be on a lot of people's radar. And this week, joining me, we've got a guest. I'm very, very excited about this one. You'll, you'll know this guest if you've ever listened to FPL content. He's been on the Scoutcast, Top Guns. More recently, been you know guesting on on Blackbox, for example. Um, so we've got Luke on the pod this week. Hi, Luke. How's how's it going?
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I actually did do uh, this pod as well once uh, upon a time, but it was it was before your time and I really enjoyed it then. So excited to make my comeback.
0: Yeah, no, it was. I, I remember listening to that episode. Um, I, I guess it must have been maybe three years ago at, at least.
1: Maybe. Yeah. I hope you didn't take any of the advice on board.
0: I, honestly, I can't remember. It's a long time <laughs> ago. But, but I, honestly, I really like the way you play the game. Um, I think in some ways we play it similar or try to, although looking at our teams at the moment, you wouldn't. You wouldn't realise that. We've got quite similar teams.
1: I think that's the same for a lot of people, though, isn't it, at the moment? And that's mm. part of the problem for me. And I think for you, we were just talking slightly just before we kicked off on the pod there. And um, it does seem to be a theme as we as we get more, deeper and deeper into FPL every season and more stats are available, more contents available. It just seems to, to drive these template teams. So it's a struggle, I think, for for managers like me and you who do occasionally try to branch out. Um, it's getting harder and harder.
0: No, it is. It is, and we've actually got a really good question um coming up coming up later. um But we leave that we leave that for after the after the headlines because um, that that could be quite interesting. If we start, I know the game week's not finished, Luke, but how's your game week gone so far?
1: Well, it's been pretty tragic. I think compared to most people, um, it's it's kind of a similar story, really. It's it's like who did you go for between Sun and Kane? I think that's mm. kind of the main story of the game week and. Uh, I've got Kane, unfortunately. So uh, I'm on 48 points at the moment. I've got no Arsenal. So when I want to say at the moment, I mean, that is what I've got. Um, Guita in goal got me two points. Trent Alexander got me nine. Uh, James, obviously the zero. Cancelo, two, one for Alonso. So I've got that back four that most people have got. Uh, Mo Salah as captain. <laughs> it's literally rinse and repeat every week, isn't it? And people almost bored. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost bored reeling off my team. Uh, Rafinha got five. So that was nice. He got something because he's not. Although he's well-owned on Twitter, there's a little bit of an avenue there, I guess. Jota with three, Foden with seven, uh, Kane with two, Antonio with five. So it's a similar story every week, really. It's either my back four does really well, or the last couple of weeks it hasn't, and it's basically been my Liverpool players that do well. And the bits around the side generally do absolutely nothing. However, this week I got an assist for Antonio, an assist for Rafinha, uh, and then with Foden as well, an assist. So at least I got a little bit around the side, but the major disappointment was was Kane, wasn't it, versus versus what happened with Son? I, I could even have taken the blank personally if Son didn't do anything. Like it's come to that now where it's like I don't even want my players to score. I just want the the competition to fail, and uh, that didn't happen, obviously.
0: It, it's funny you mention that because um last week I was I wasn't happy the Spurs game got called off, but because I had Son, I was just nervous about not having Kane. So it does work that way as well, doesn't it? Where you're almost if your player's going to blank, you just want the other other player in the 50 50 to blank but i guess at least you've avoided um tony and smith rowe because obviously they're high profile or they're highly owned players who are injured i don't know how long smith rowe is going to be out but it sounds like tony's going to be out you know next couple of games
1: yeah i mean i'm thankful for that but at the same Mm. time those two guys have done pretty damn well over the, the sort of weeks just before this so um overall it's probably better to have had them and just missed out this week right but um yeah, moving forward, I suppose Tony's still got, I mean, they've got a really good game this week. And then after that, probably becomes a little bit of a problem. But the, but then obviously he himself doesn't look like he's going to play now, does he? Which was the breaking news, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, I did have in Bomo as well, actually, up until just before this week. So he finally got his points. So I guess people who have got him are looking to to hold him for the Watford game, are they now? I'm not sure.
0: I'd, I'd have thought so, yeah. We gloss over my team quickly because, I mean, the, the only real difference is, honestly, between our teams... I had Son and you've got Kane. I'm on Gundogan and you're on Foden, and we've got different goalies. Like I've got Sanchez and you got you got Guaita. I benched Antonio, but started Puky and captain Salah. So, same as you, honestly, looking at our teams, they're very, very, very similar. I've got two free transfers. I'm, you know, I'm quite happy because I was quite nervous about not owning Tony. He was one of these high owned players. You know, the next couple, like you said, look really, really good. Um, so I guess we might get onto Tony replacements later in the episode but yeah no Arsenal tonight so I think we both probably want that clean sheet gone um but obviously people will people will know the result when by the time they're listening to this let's let's get straight into it anyway Luke um seeing as seeing as we're I say mid-game week we're 90% of the way through it um so our first headline it's it's something you discuss a lot on Twitter it's the Manchester City midfielders And we had quite a few questions on this. Dom J, for example, has asked which Man City mid for the run up to Christmas under 7.6 and over. FPL Blobby, great name, um, says you're a great guest. What order would you put the four Man City midfielders in in terms of who you would buy? And FPL Blobby's put them as Foden, Gunduan, Bernardo and Greedish in that order. It's quite a broad question, Luke and obviously you own Foden at the moment, but do you you have a preference on on these four midfielders? I mean, would you even include Grealish in that that four?
1: I don't don't think I would, Mm. um, personally. The thing with Grealish is um, we don't really know yet where he fits in for me. I know he was starting at the very beginning of the season, and we have to remember at the beginning of the season, a lot of stuff was kind of forced on Man City to do with other players that were out. And... Uh, yeah, I know he himself, Grealish, was even a doubt but he was kind of thrown straight in and, and it kind of surprised people and he didn't work particularly well in terms of FPL in terms of goals and assists but I think if you actually look at like the stats, ball carrying stuff like that, Grealish still, still actually ha- has done a pretty good job for Man City overall and I still think Pep really likes him and, and wants to use him but um, obviously since he's come back from injury he's pretty much gone straight in as number 9 there which we did see just before he was injured as well. And it didn't particularly work that time. At the moment, his problem really is that he kind of is most or best suited to the left wing like he's like he's always been really. And Foden's obviously exceptionally good there. And Pep seems to like a left footed player out there quite a lot of the time. I think that's mostly because he's, dis- he's sort of designed the way he- he's going to play and set up against back fives and these low blocks so they can get behind the defenders. And it seems to be working pretty well. But also because Cancelo plays left back and he's he's right footed. So he doesn't want multiple people cutting in and narrowing the pitch on, on that side. And that's a problem for Grealish, right? Because at the moment, I can't really see anywhere he would play apart from the false nine. But obviously, if he, if he is going to play that position, then I'm sure he's a pretty good option. So it's kind of like it's a tough decision, right? I, I, for me, his minutes seem like they'd probably be limited.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny you mention that, actually, because I think when I saw the team sheet, um I assumed and I guess I wasn't taking into account the left left foot thing which you've mentioned you know a few times before and it's I find interesting um so I assumed Froden was going to be through the middle and Grealish would be on the left um so I, th- I think that clears up why and I mean if it was if it was a better finisher than Grealish Froden you could have had 20 points within the first you know 10-15 minutes of that of that game um you know he was ridiculous
1: he really was, and. I don't think we've seen the best of Foden yet, even. I know we've still seen it in flashes, but I think there's still more to come. I mean, his age should tell us that as well. And the fact that he just seems to, the only thing really holding him back for me at the moment is the fact that he keeps picking up these sort of niggly injuries every now Mm. and then. I think once he gets a sustained run, and potentially that could happen now, and they've obviously got some really good games, I just think he's fantastic. I think he can do really well. I, I know we haven't really ever seen any massive hauls from him, apart from I can't remember who it was against now, but one came off his ass, didn't it? And one sort of...
0: Oh, the Brighton game. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was a haul, but it wasn't really a haul. It was, it was a bit lucky, but I do think that they're possible. And yeah, he's their best player for me at left wing, the best player at centre forward. He's, he's arguably the, just their best player um, in an attacking, in the attacking three spots anyway. Um so, yeah, I really I really like him, and I think I'd put him number one quite comfortably and probably Grealish of four. I think the argument is really between Gundogan and Bernardo Silva in sort of two or three, which way you'd put them round. Um, I personally would probably put Gundogan just ahead of Bernardo Silva, but only if his minutes were, were assured, which I don't think they are as assured as Bernardo. So for me, Bernardo probably just jumps to two. Uh, and I think the window to buy Gundogan was probably a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, and now it's slightly iffy because obviously de bruyne is is now back right and I, I i think he's been confirmed starter tonight as well so um yeah he's he's obviously racking up those minutes and that that's the problem with man city so they've just got so many good players haven't they and and kevin de bruyne is you know how can you not put kevin de bruyne in like the top 3 or even the top 1 what top 1 or 2 in the whole of the premier league exactly. so yeah it's it's tough
0: they do feel like a bit of a, a lottery ticket at, at times because obviously i i went for foden uh, a few weeks ago I just got vibes that he wasn't going to play. Um, obviously, I was completely wrong. And so I switched to Gundogan, who was then out. And I, I was quite grateful, especially because the assist was pending for quite a while, um, that Gundogan at least got the clean sheet. So he was only one point behind Foden this week. Um, Silver's, I've seen he's been omitted from the, the Champions League squad. So you'd expect, like you mentioned with the minutes, that he's going to probably get more minutes than the, the, you know, the other options over the coming weeks. It's just when you look at those expected stats... He's quite a bit behind Gunduan. He's quite a bit behind Foden. Um, I think I'd have the same order as you, Luke. I think I'd go Foden, Foden top, then Gunduan, then Silver, then Grealish. I must admit, I hadn't even considered Grealish at all. Um, wh- what about because sometimes I never get the impression these midfielders are going to score a hat trick. You know, I don't feel like they're explosive like obviously like someone like Aguero was. Sterling could it could he be an option because he's obviously been explosive in, in the past
1: yeah i mean the fact that they we don't really get that feeling is strange and i suppose it's mm. almost almost a nonsense isn't it because they they could quite easily get it and it could happen any time um and i think the games are good enough coming up i think they're really good so it could happen um but yeah sterling i know you're a big fan in terms of england and stuff i personally mm. don't really rate sterling that much as a player like <laughs> i don't know it, I think he's no. Guys, that's wrong. He burnt my entire season once, where I pretty much captain did like 13 times in his worst yeah. ever season, did nothing. So
0: <laughs> I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> yeah.
1: Before that, I really liked him, and um, you know, all all the you know the analytical guys, they always they love the stats, don't they? And they obviously love the historic stats as well. And Sterling historically is just he is a very very good player in terms of getting goals. And like you say, if anyone's going to score goals, when you look at the team as much as Sterling's got a rep for being not a particularly good finisher, you'd probably back him to score more goals than virtually anyone else in the lineup. So maybe Mares, you could argue, if he was actually playing, would would be there or thereabouts. But the other sort of people in the front three um, don't really come close yet. Maybe Foden's got the potential to be, but I don't think the rest have. And he's playing right now. It's just he's very expensive um, and he's in form in terms of, I hate the word form, but Pep obviously takes form into account Uh, a lot with his lineups if you play well he says you continue to play in the team and sterling has been playing well the last few weeks and he's been playing on the right hand side which is like his favorite position which has been taken away from him for quite a while um has slipped into the sort of false nine position as well so if anyone is a differential over these next few game weeks and sterling is in the team yeah he could do very very well it's just the fact that he costs a lot of money and it's a it feels like it might be a punt too far for some people right because then if he is in the if he is on the bench or or whatever. It's it's a lot of money to spend on someone that, that might not play, and that's always the fear with him. But I do actually really like him, and I I want to almost take a punt on him. I actually tweeted out today, I was surprised you asked me about him, so I tweeted out Raheem Sterling. I think that that's the kind of player that no one on Twitter's going to touch, none of the casuals are going to touch. But he has got a history of being a very, very good goal scorer, you know, and they've got good games, so it, it could happen for him.
0: I think with Sterling, it, I think it comes down to the captaincy, because I, I didn't mind in the past, you know overpaying for a player if they were going to be some differential captain you know I yeah. like doing it with like Harry Kane and, and with Sterling, to be honest, because they you could get them at like three percent e o and yeah. i'm not I'm not just captaining them because of because of e o um so I won't go into that but um like it it would just be so explosive, and if they did well, people wouldn't get on them quickly because they were seen as expensive, but just the sala salads kind of ruined like ideas like that this season. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem viable.
1: Yeah, and that's why Kane was so disappointing this week actually Mm. because he's only 10% owned. He's home to Norwich. I know he's been bad, but again, he's a player with a history of scoring a lot of goals, right? So it's hard to get excited for any returns at the moment because everyone's such high EO, and the few players that are in your team that that are low enough, you know, and then they've got these great stats and they've got a great game, you get really behind it, and then they, you know, they go and blank like Kane does. It's really, really disheartening, but it shouldn't stop us from trying it again, really, should it? it? It's just the whole. The captain thing, like you say, is any player who's over sort of 10, 11 million worth it? If you're not going to captain him, I suppose it's debatable.
0: Yeah, it does make it a lot less fun. But I guess it also highlights the, the value, I guess, of players like Gunduan, Foden and, you know, Bernardo Silva mm. as well. Because I, I even remember a couple of seasons ago, I had this midfield of De Bruyne, Sterling and Mares. I think the cheapest one was Mares at like eight and a half million. So it's a really expensive midfield. And I don't think, you know, going for like Gundogan and Foden, for example, is, you know, as in, I think they're almost at that. They should be probably at a higher value. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, so they they are underpriced. I guess it's just there's a lot of players underpriced this year. So
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean a lot a lot of them were, aren't they? And that's something that's kind of spoiled it a bit for me, is I can have three Chelsea, three Man City, three Liverpool in my team like reasonably comfortably, and they're easily the three best teams in the league. And I can have like in the past we didn't really have them as nailed as we potentially have them at the moment. So it's uh it almost feels like a little bit of a cheat code. So everyone's kind of got that or close to it. Um which is yeah. a bit disappointing.
0: And then you just play the fixtures with the with the other players. I mean, even like if Bowen becomes becomes a thing, and I guess we get on to Bowen in a little bit. You know, he's only at five and a half million. So and because you'd only be looking at a couple of spots if you've got you know three Chelsea, three Liverpool, three City, and I think there's going to be a lot of people going that way as well. Um, especially as we we can afford better benches as well. Yeah. Um,
1: and I mean, yeah. in, in recent weeks, the difference between everyone's team has basically been, do you have Ramsdale or Smith Rowe, I think? Like from the owned mm-hmm. players, like, have you had these for the last few weeks? You've probably done pretty well. And if you haven't, then you probably haven't. I, I think it's pr- pretty much come down to that. Now you could probably put Sun in that conversation as an ally over Kane. That, that's probably the only real swings I can see between highly owned players, at least in uh, the Twitter sphere.
0: Yeah, you're right, especially when Ramsdale had that, you know, he had. I think he got a 10 pointer or similar mm. when San- Sanchez got a minus one. Um, I mean that's a that's a huge swing um, mm. when the you know the template's so close, and I guess even with my team, I, I've been ticking away recently, climbing up the ranks. But it's been silly things like it's been like Pookie, and I know it, he's only getting like eight points. But if I've got Pookie and someone else has got I don't know Gallagher and he blanks, you know it's quite a quite a big difference when you know Pookie's down at two percent. So maybe our differentials we're just looking at you know cheap 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 ones instead of going for players like Sterling like we could in the past um yeah
1: i agree with that yeah the sprinkles around the edges have made the difference at the moment we're all we're all got such similar teams it's just have your have your little differentials here or there done well and i think i know you talk about pookie and it's almost a joke at this point every week but i think you've done you've done very well to get him there because obviously at the time he wasn't a particularly sexy pick at all but norwich's fixtures were really good and you know he's a striker who's incredibly cheap on penalties up front so he's always got a chance of being valued like there's no way these players that at that price haven't got a chance of being value. And we're seeing it with Dennis. We saw it with Banford last season. It will continue to happen for me. If you can find a striker 6.5 or below who's on penalties and starts games up front. I don't, it's pretty much in no way that they can't end up being some sort of value. Like it's rare that they aren't.
0: You're right. Cause even with like a little bit more expensive, if people have had Wilson the last couple of weeks, I think he's got nine and nine or eight and nine over the last couple. So people with Wilson have done well, you know, another striker who's he's on penalties. Um, but if we move on to our to our second headline, um, so it's so spares um, now. It's interesting because they're playing against Brighton, who seem to have most of their team out. I think I read earlier that Dunks out till the end of the year. Um, obviously, it's December, so it's only about a month, um, give or take. Um, but a question we have from Zishan is Kane to Ronaldo or distribute funds? I, th- I think a lot of people are going to be in this boat. Um, I mean, what's your take on it? Because you you own Kane at the moment.
1: I do owe Kane, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> you were unlucky though. I think Kane owners were unlucky. Um, you know he had a couple. Of, he had a couple of chances. Obviously, Son was clinical, but I feel like Kane's clinical as well. Um, you know, over the years.
1: Yeah. Well, this is it in isolation. Like, it's not that bad if you took away everything that's happened before we Kane so far. Mm-hmm. Basically, the consistent twos. And you're home to Norwich and you've got a premium player and he has five shots in the game. I think he had about 0.5 XG or something when I looked at the end, somewhere around there. You know, it's not fantastic, but it's pretty damn good. I mean, you you take that in most matches. Most players fail to reach that that target. And every player blanks. I mean, even Salah managed it against Burnley. You know, if you just took that game in isolation, that's frustrating as well. This is frustrating. Mm -hmm. But it's because of everything that's come before it, right? The consistent, constant blanks that makes us think like we just got to get off him. And um like you just said there now, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he does very well against Brighton was they've got a lot of their players out. And I think dunk out is, is absolutely massive for them, to be honest. So the signs are still there that Kane's going to come good. But this is always the question. How long do you hold on to these players? You know, you listen to all the top managers and they're like patience with your top assets. If the mm-hmm. stats are good, they're good players. Hold on to them. We shouldn't ship them. And then it just becomes incredibly tough. It becomes almost a battle of wills. I mean, like you said about Sterling, I held on to him for far too long in seasons past, you know, just believing that eventually he would come good. And it just, it never really happened. In fact, it did happen after lockdown, if you remember, for like the last few games when we came back, yes, Sterling actually did really well, frustratingly. Um, And I have no doubt it will work for Kane again. Um, But it's just how long can you keep keep carrying him? I suppose for me, the alternatives are there with also really good games and, and that's, that's the um, the thing with him, isn't it? There's just too many other options now to move on to that, that look like they probably are going to do it as well. And I think the temptation, the sheer frustration, as much as we shouldn't have that in our game, and if it was played by a computer, it might even say to keep him for this game. Frustration does creep in, and I can see the argument why people just want to get rid of him now, myself included.
0: No, it does. Frustration does creep in. Um, and I mean, I remember a move I regretted where I rage-sold Havertz to Foden. It only cost me probably about 10, 11 points, over, maybe a bit more. But, yeah, that was purely, I, I assume, like if, yeah, like you say, if there was a computer, it would have said, don't do that move. Um, Chelsea, Chelsea have good fixtures. Um, and I guess the other thing is you could keep Kane and then compound the frustration if it's Son, um, who who goes big again. But I, I guess you don't want to make things worse by, you know, thinking like that. And, I mean, is Ronaldo really that tempting um, to sell Kane, you know, against the, you know, understrength Brighton?
1: Well, what do you what do you think? Because I, I honestly don't know. I I like Ronaldo in terms of, obviously, Man United have got great assets. He's obviously a very good player with with a past history, which is mm. better than virtually anyone else in the league. I don't doubt that he's going to score some goals, but it comes back to that whole argument of, is he going to be worth that that huge amount of money? Are Man United suddenly just going to magically improve under the new manager? I mean, the signs are good, but it's one game. Yeah, There is an element still of a leap of faith here. And and how many games is he going to play over that period? Yeah. Um, it's tough, isn't it? It's a tough question to answer. I honestly don't know. I see people going down both sides at the moment. And I think Looking at players like Josh King and Antonio and stuff, and you just think, well, can they even get vaguely? They only have to get vaguely close when they cost like six million less.
0: It is tough, and it's I, I guess it's one that it's I find it hard to answer because I made my decision. So I wildcarded maybe six weeks ago and decided to go for Son. And there was obviously a lot of people talking at the time. You know, you could go for Kane. You know, two in the in a couple of game weeks time, which you know now I'm saying it's two weeks ago. Um, so you could go to Kane, then you've got the the move to Ronaldo. There was a lot of debate about when you move Kane to Ronaldo. And I just didn't really want Ronaldo back then, back, you know, six weeks ago. Obviously, I guess one thing that's changed since then is Solskjaer's been sacked um, and they've got the new guy in. I just, I feel like I'm I'm doing quite well with this 4-5-1. You know, we've got the same back four. And I know from speaking on Slack and on Twitter, we, you know, we're both quite big on, on staying with that back four. So, and there's a lot of midfielders I want. And I've had a lot of like mini successes, you know, playing players like Pukie, less so Antonio. So I think I like the structure of four-five-one more. Um, so but I think if I had Kane, I'd hold him another week because Ronaldo, he's not going to play every game over Christmas. Where Kane, I think he will.
1: You know, I, think I can't say. See... Pretty much said that he's going to, isn't he? I think he came out and said I, I don't have the option to rest Kane. It's pretty.
0: Yeah, ridiculous. and it, it doesn't surprise me, and I'm sure Kane wants to play. Well. Maybe, maybe his, people say his head's not in it, but I still think he'd want to play every game.
1: I think he would because he, players care about their personal stats now. You know, if if he comes out of a season with one goal, I think he's got one goal, isn't he? Is it one goal, one assist?
0: One goal in the league, yeah, one goal. Obviously, he scored a few in the in the you know, European Thursday night football. Yeah, yeah and it, it he seems wants to. to- score when you know when people doubt him he seems to then start doing well i mean we saw even during like the euros um there were there were calls for people to you know for southgate to drop kane i think to play calvert lewin um yeah. from memory
1: yeah that was ludicrous
0: yeah but this happens to kane a lot and then he does start scoring i know it's a bit of a weak argument that you know kane just scores um and i guess <laughs> the argument could be said for ronaldo as well so <laughs> you know they're both you know world-class players
1: i i think you just we we had uh, strange circumstances with Kane you know the manager mm. it didn't really work and now we've got into the period where everything seems like it's it's okay like Spurs look half decent they've got they've had very good games and then we've just got the bad side of variance where he just hasn't ended up getting the goals and it's just compounded it even more um, I still don't think uh, personally I don't like to look at you know, who got what points this week, who's returned what. I don't really like to take that into account for my future decisions. And I think, like I say, if you just take it in isolation and said, Brighton have got eight players out, dunk out, Kane is who he is. You know, I think he's he's probably a reasonable option. I, I don't see any reason why you would sell on that basis. It's just the fact that the frustration creeps in. There are other options. And then you're tempted to try and do something to try and affect the game because at the moment you're just sitting back and collecting two points every week. I understand that. Uh, it's it's very tough. I, I personally don't know whether I'll go to Ronaldo. I will say that the, the fact that he played a two up front is a really good start, I think. I think that kind of geared towards him. Playing Rashford up front with him. I mean, again, I know it's only one game, but playing that sort of four-two-two-two, two, two, um, the signs are obviously there that he's gonna try and incorporate Ronaldo in this press, you know, pressing game and have a fast striker alongside him. And um I suppose that bodes pretty well, right? Because Ronaldo's done pretty well in in recent seasons in a in a two up front rather than a one so
0: yeah it's it's interesting isn't it because it's going to be one of these ones by the time we know like no definitively a couple of the good fixtures will be gone um, yeah it's too late yeah yeah it's a bit like what we just had with spurs I think that's kind of why I don't like being passive but maybe I think if I had Kane I'd rather just wait and see because you'll get Kane in a still in a good fixture to see what he does obviously you're missing out on Ronaldo against Norwich, but it's a way to Norwich. Norwich have looked, you know, a little bit better, um, in, you know, compared to what they were, you know, a few weeks ago. Mm. And then you can make that decision afterwards. Cause it might just be, you want to come completely off the premium strike. Cause you know, if Kane and Ronaldo don't do anything,
1: um, there's an argument to come straight off them now though, isn't there? And just go Antonio and Josh King and stuff. And I think that's people are doing that as well. And there's there's also Jamie Vardy and Lukaku that I don't see many people talking about, um, that are in that more premium bracket. They've also got some good games.
0: Did you see the Vardy stat that I tweeted yesterday? He so he only play it's a bit unfair because he doesn't touch the ball often, but he played thirty minutes off the bench yesterday. He touched the ball once and lost it, lost possession once.
1: <laughs> well, I, I play Sky a lot, right? And um, you have to sort of monitor players in terms of their passing. And it's like an ongoing joke in our Sky group for many seasons now that Vardy would come away with like sort of two or three goals and literally have touched the ball nine times in the game and two of them would have been kick off two from penalties. Like he, <laughs> he does do that a lot. Like, it doesn't particularly surprise me. Um, it's
0: no, not he, he, the, no, no, he does. He does, because even when I'm not watching a Leicester game, when I've owned Vardy in the past, I go on SofaScore sofa score and you can click the player positions. And often it shows the average position for everyone. Apart from Vardy, it says like low player involvement. And <laughs> he's one of very few that I've ever seen that on, you know, because it it waits till 25 minutes to update it. Um, so, yeah, may, maybe it's not something to base it on. You know, he, he does that with low touches. He scores goals without without many touches. Yeah, um i don't
1: think it's that yeah. important personally but from a from a purely a watching perspective he's a hard watch sometimes vardy
0: no he is very very hard but hard watch and obviously with Rodgers as well you've got the formation changing all the time yeah it's I, all over the place I, yeah i just think at the moment i'm quite happy you know with not premium like with cheap players up, up front um i mean that could that could change um and i've got a plan just in case i am wrong you know i've got son and antonio so i can switch it quite quickly But yeah, I think if I had Kane, I'll just stick. Um, And again, it comes back to, you know, what we were saying about captains, Um, because people aren't people aren't going to be captain in Ronaldo. They might be bringing in Ronaldo, but it's not going to be like when they played Newcastle, when he got a brace and, you know, he'd gone up to 100 and something EO, you know, over over the course of a couple of days. Mm. It's not going to be like that devastating. I say this now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so. I think you can captain Ronaldo in a few of those games. I think it's fine. It's just, I mean, Salah's stats and his actual returns are so good. And and that's the problem. It's like the casuals, the people watching, the statisticians, everyone, everything points to Salah in, in virtually every game and you can't really argue with it. You know, even if he hadn't actually returned in these games, um, I think people would still be on that on that mantra now because of um, you know his, his stats are just so good and people know the score, right? The midfielders generally are the best captains in this game because of the extra points available.
0: Yeah, and it it, it bores me like because I say, I I almost assume now that I'm just going to captain Salah and it's quite bad for hosting the pod because it does sound quite boring that I'm almost assuming that you know, everyone's going to captain Salah every week. Mm. It's it's genuinely how I feel at the moment. And I've almost eliminated captaincy from my thinking until we get to the African Cup of Nations.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's sad because this week, actually, um, and I did it in Sky because I was just working and stuff. I didn't really have much time to think about FPL. Like you said, mm. I didn't even think about it. I just left it on Salah. But um, just as the sort of coming up to the first game and the, the deadline had passed, I suddenly had it in my mind, why didn't I captain Cancelo? And I thought, for you know, because Wolves obviously a pretty tough opponent in terms of keeping clean sheets. I thought Salah might struggle a bit. Man City playing Watford, if Cancelo plays, I can't see that not being a clean sheet. He could easily haul in that game. That's the kind of upside captain I'd really like and really would have considered in the past and probably even done in the past quite a lot. Um, I just didn't have the time and didn't think. And in the end, Salah outscored Cancelo anyway because they conceded. But I hmm. think that was a viable option this week that probably slipped past people. But the, it wasn't even in the conversation because of Salah, what you just said. No one even slightly considered it. Um <laughs>
0: I think the thing is, because he's only blanked in that one game, even when people, because I've seen a couple of people who captain Havertz and he got like one point more than Salah, it's really hard to get like a considerable gain over over Salah. Um, you need at least two returns, I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, I, I suppose the way to do it really has been to captain Trent over him for the last few weeks, but I haven't seen anyone do that. And by the time you go to do it... it it's usually yeah, flips back around doesn't it and it's true there's just no there's just no argument really to captain anyone else at the moment and it's a sad state of affairs I'm sure I mean it, it can be done there were several weeks where Salah was it two or three weeks in a row you only got an assist or maybe I've extended that maybe it was only two He got he got like an assist twice in a row or something um
0: over the last six he's only got double digits um once so it's right. been low it's been low returns
1: It's just it's just the sheer consistency and the fact that he can go off in any game. We've also just seen a really low number of penalties across the season. I know you love to talk about penalties as well. I just (laughs) I'm just waiting for that game where some player gets two or three in a game because compared to last season, I mean, the disparity is just incredible. but surely there is going to be a game soon where someone does get two penalties in a game three and just gets a ridiculous haul. I'm looking at someone like Jamie Vardy, as we just mentioned. That's just yeah. his trick.
0: Yeah. He did it with a, it was a non pen XG game week one last season of 0.00. And he got a brace <laughs> against West Brom.
1: <laughs> what a bastard.
0: Yeah. I, know. I only remember that because I owned him. It felt like an absolute, I just went to look at his XG after the game and I was like, this, this must be wrong. But yeah, it's only two shots <laughs> with the penalties. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's awesome. So you you sound quite undecided on on the switch. Um, but I think that's that's not. I think I've not seen a, like a strong argument to do it or not.
1: I think the strongest argument for go for Ronaldo is is the boring one. It's just that EO and a lot of people will probably do it, and I hate that argument, but it's probably the safest way to go, I guess, just to cover it off in case he does go mad. And that's, I mean, ultimately that's why I went Kane, you know, they had good fixtures he's a good player. And I thought he would go mad in the end. You know, the year was almost irrelevant because no one else really went there, but it's a similar situation. Like you said, with Ronaldo now. I think a lot of people will do that just to cover their bases. Um, And I, I can't really argue with it. I, I just don't really like conforming. It's like, we've had this whole template the whole time, which I'm a big part of myself. And it's like, Everyone's saying now the template's shifting. Well, it is, but only to the same template, really. There's not really, there's a few avenues you can go, but most of them seem to include a Ronaldo in it. And I I actually like Lukaku um, just as a differential. And that's where I may go. I know people will probably laugh at that, but I don't think he's been talked about at all. And he is back and Chelsea have got good games. And he's obviously a player who also, I love these players who've got a history of actually scoring goals. I don't think they're just a complete on a whim pick.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's out of sight, out of mind, because I must admit, I've not been thinking about Lukaku that much. But when he got added to the game, you know, I was really, really excited after I can't remember who he played in the first game. Was it Arsenal? I think it was, it was Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being quite excited about getting him in, uh, captained him a couple of times and then, yeah, just kind of just kind of forgotten about him. I, I guess it's the hype with the with the wingbacks for Chelsea.
1: Well, he hasn't really fitted into the team particularly well um, after mm. that Arsenal game. They sort of struggled to play with him, I thought. And then um their good fixtures came along just as he got injured and then they played a lot better it seemed with Havertz but was that just the fixtures I don't know and now he seems like he's back he did look kind of rusty in that West Ham game so it's probably early but it comes back to what we were saying at the start is like if you want to try and make any headway at this moment like real headway I feel like you've got to get on players a little bit earlier than everyone else and then they only last for one or two weeks so taking a punt on say going Lukaku versus Leeds who've got a few injuries. They've got Everton after this as well. You know, usually pretty dreadful. Um, if he does well, suddenly maybe everyone starts looking that way and it's points that no one else has got. So I wouldn't advocate anyone going there because I think it is it is the riskier option. But I don't think it's that mad, to be honest. Uh, Lukaku surely scored. I mean, he was the bookies favourite for top goalscorer at the beginning of the season.
0: Is it, it's interesting, actually, that you mention, obviously, it might people are moving, as in you have a differential for two weeks and that's it. Because I guess it sort of links into what I was saying about Sterling in, in previous seasons, where if you went for someone like Lukaku, and I mean, I, I don't think I'd do this myself, but I could see people would have Ronaldo or people would just not have a premium striker. And they'd be, you know, um, and in over making the switch. So maybe you'll get Lukaku as a differential for longer just because he's hard to get. Um, mm. but
1: obviously, that's why it appeals, actually.
0: yeah, but obviously if it goes wrong, it could go very, very wrong. Potentially.
1: It could do, but I feel like strikers are almost a throwaway position. So it's like, at the moment, I'm happy with my team everywhere. I like my back four. Yes, I've had Kane, and he's done nothing. So it almost doesn't feel like it could hurt me by going Lukaku. If he also does nothing, he just continues the trend. It can only really hurt me if someone else goes massive. So basically, Ronaldo. So if Ronaldo just wipes the four with Lukaku, it's going to hurt me. Virtually anything else doesn't really, and I don't want to know what I do with the money. So that's my current thinking but i suppose i've got antonio already for me the alternative would be just to go to josh king that's the other sensible play that i could do and then i'm sat there with like six million in the bank and not a clue what to do with it
0: you've got me thinking now about the upside of that actually because obviously when you go on live fpl you know certain players if they are a differential like reese james when he you know scored his brace for just just as as an example that's when you really start to move up ranks and i felt like the last few weeks being slightly template that's really hard to do you don't get huge gains you just get little Lots of little green arrows. So I guess the upside's there.
1: Yeah. And the the, the best managers will tell you that's fine. Right. They'll say you just keep plugging away, chipping away. And overall, you do pretty well. For me, the process is just so, so damn slow. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) I want to get there. I want to go out in a blaze of glory. I want to go there quick. And um, yeah. I just think, again, in isolation, if we ignored what's gone on past, you know, the past isn't always a prediction of the future. And you go from this point right now and you say, OK, Chelsea are one of the top three teams in the league. There's certainly a better team than Man United on paper. We don't know Man United are suddenly going to turn into to a fantastic team. And Lukaku is one of the best strikers in world football. It's not that crazy. He's also a little bit cheaper. It's like 11 million. But he's just not even in the conversation. And sometimes I wonder, is it me that's mental or is is it just that everyone you know is, is blindsided or what I, I honestly don't know the answer but i'm prepared to chance it considering i've had Kane, it almost makes no difference to my team
0: you're, you're selling it to me now actually um <laughs> and this is this is always the danger um, it is. You know, people course,
1: listen to me for too long yeah yeah, yeah, yeah I just switch yeah, off
0: if someone puts a little idea in my head it just starts to sprout <laughs> and i'm like oh maybe i could do that because i'm quite i'm feeling quite safe at the moment just lots of little little green arrows but you're right you can shortcut that and just you know do something a bit more Maverick and just shoot at, and you've done it in one week instead of plugging away for a couple of months.
1: It has to work, right? <laughs> that, that, that's the thing. It has to work. Um, but like I said, the, sh- the forwards are almost a free go at the moment. I mean, I've got Antonio already. I could go Josh King. I, I think the smart move is just to go Ronaldo probably, but I don't think that, that Lukaku or Vardy or um, either of these two guys is, is, is far worse, or even holding Kane like you suggest. I don't think it's a massive difference at this point.
0: Oh, nice nice um if we move on to the next headline so it's the West Ham fixture swing so obviously and there's been a lot I think every week um uh, for, the, for the last month or so we've talked about Antonio but now Bowen's thrown his hat into the ring especially I think a lot of people are getting rid of Rafinha for example um so what are your thoughts on on West Ham players I'm just going to look which ones do you you've just got Antonio is that right
1: that's right yeah I've had Antonio <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, the fixtures are good. They're obviously a very good team. They're, all their XG data is still, is still good, all their data. Um, I, obviously, Antonio has been frustrating. I think he's been a little bit unlucky. I know his his stats have dipped a bit, but I think that was almost inevitable given the start he made. And again, he's a player. I love my historical data. I've been banging on about it. But the last two or three seasons, he's, he's basically been right up there for XG, like nonstop. And there's become this thing of when Antonio's fit, you have him in your team. And he's kind of tried to disprove that over the last few weeks. But for me, it's uh, it's just a little bit of bad luck. There were some tough games in there. Yes, an element of tiredness, maybe. But I don't really doubt Antonio for a second, personally. I think West Ham are a good side. I think he'll continue to score goals. I think over this run, he's going to be a great pick. And I'm happy to have him. And so add another one like Bowen, like you say, is probably a pretty good idea. I actually had Bowen last season and he frustrated me because his his, his stats were good then. Um, but now he's actually delivering. And I think it was similar at the beginning of the season, right? His stats were on a par with Ben Rama and he wasn't really getting the returns. Mm. But, now, but now we're seeing it. Um, so, yeah, I think... Again, when we're talking about the template, like I've got Rafinha sat in my team, the very obvious moves for me are to do Kane to Ronaldo and Rafinha to Bowen. And I think that's quite popular on Twitter at the moment. And I really can't argue against either of those moves. I I don't know if you can. They they look great, to be honest.
0: See, I was dead set on on doing the move Rafinha to Bowen uh, straight after I watched the Chelsea game. Mm. Um, But then because I can now afford to go straight up to Foden and double up on the midfielders, I'm starting to think... I'm missing out on an opportunity to go because I don't, almost don't consider it a triple up because everyone's got Cancelo mm. um, and probably most people are going to go for one city midfielder so I can go for Gundogan and Foden because I'm not I'm not 100% sure which which one's better so kind of like double dipping you know go, going for both um, it seems like a lot more tempting than going for double West Ham attack however I do like the West Ham attack and they've got amazing fixtures so i'm I'm torn but i think i can't ignore man city so it's just my personal situation um you know if if i couldn't afford to go to foden i'll just go to bowen i'll be very very happy it was interesting though because in, in pre-season we had a pod with luke fpl Lions, and he went through all the data of everything and bowen stood out head and shoulders above ben rama i think it was mainly for the creative creative stats because he was taking a lot of corners etc yeah um but it was only the pre-season form of Ben Rama that swung it round the other way, and I, you know, me and many others decided to just, oh, let's go Ben Rama, see what happens. Um, but like, and yeah, I do remember that time last season as well, where Bowen was putting up massive, massive, you know, underlying numbers, but not really getting the returns.
1: Well, this is the thing, right? Mm. I mean, I, I take those chances sometimes, and and I like to think that there's at least some foundation behind them. I don't think they're just totally wild. And I think Bowen had had good stats, and I was unlucky he didn't get returns, in my opinion. And I followed the exact same path as you guys. I was, I was eyeing up him again. Um, because the frustrating thing was actually towards the back end of the season, you'd occasionally get benched or not be put in the team. And that's when mm. you suddenly think, oh God, okay, I can't, I can't go there anymore because we need nailed players, right? This is what fantasy footballs are right about, apparently. Um, and then, uh, Ben Rama did really well in pre-season and, and I went there thankfully and, and had a good start as a result. Um, but Moving forward, I think just looking at Bowen compared to virtually any of the other Man City players, his stats are better. So I think just objectively he probably is the better pick and he's obviously on the cheaper side. It's like me and you sometimes try to be a little bit too clever. I think, and yeah. I'm going to do it again because I'm, I'm not going to get him. Probably. I'm probably going to get two Man City midfielders. I'm, I'm living that dream of <laughs> the fact that these Man City players are suddenly going to start outperforming their, well, they already are outperforming, but outperforming their, their numbers because Man City are going to score seven goals in every game over this run. And that's why I'm going to have a big slice of that pie and I'm going to do really well. But, um, I think of, you know the computer and and of one of these top managers they'll they'll get Bowen I think and it it's hard to argue against it isn't it?
0: There was there was one way I justified it in my in my head when I was looking at it and that's the the West Ham's next two it's Burnley away which is a tough place to go and then they've got to go to Arsenal mm. and then the good run really starts so I could go like Gundogan and Foden or any two Man City midfielders it doesn't matter and then make the switch from from one of those to Bowen before Nor- Norwich and Southampton at home. The difficulty with that is I think the Man City midfielders are a bit like how you described Kane, where, you know, it's hard to know when to get off them because you're like one more week, one more week.
1: Yeah, you um, want to stick with it. And also, I mean, it seems like a good idea now, but how many fires are you going to get in those two weeks where that suddenly becomes impossible or you've got to take hits to do the same move? Um
0: it's true. Unless one of the fires is one of the city mids. That, that was part of my thinking as well. Because sometimes I I can try to be too clever in the short term, but also try to be too clever in the long term. Like the immediate, like next two, to mm. me they say go for the city mid over Bowen. But the long term does say Bowen's probably the better pick.
1: I think, like I say, I think Bowen is the sensible pick, but mm. there's also there's no <sighs> This is all conjecture, right? But the end you, you could just look at Man City and say, I don't think they've really even fully got going yet. You know, mm-hmm. they've had some injuries across the team. Um, they've chopped and changed a bit, and which they always do. But now they've suddenly got this really good fixture run. They kind of settled. Foden's come back in. De Bruyne's come back in. All their players are suddenly fit. And you think, well, you know, are they going to go from being extremely good to just suddenly hitting four and five goals against people, you know? maybe then that's the chance I'm kind of taking that suddenly they step up their levels I think I talked about looking at the past and looking at the future if you're going on the past data you get Bowen 100% but the past isn't always necessarily a reflection and the hope is that Man City turn it on for the next few weeks and like you say if it doesn't work then maybe you just go with your tail between your legs and get Bowen in a few weeks
0: yeah I mean just looking at the last game and again it's probably conjecture as well but I feel like Bowen was and Antonio were both lucky to get, to get returns as in, I don't know what Mendy was doing when Bowen won the penalty. Yeah. He should have just kicked the ball out. Um, Antonio's assist goes without saying was lucky. And, and Bowen's was strange. Like it was a nutmeg. And then Mendy could have got to it possibly, but didn't like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an incredible haul. I'm not trying to sound bitter as a, as a, as a non-Bowen owner. Mm. Um, but and maybe I'm just trying to talk myself into going for the Man City man city asset it's kind of annoying actually because i would like to have like six midfielders i'd like to have the two liverpool guys i've got son i'd like two man city and then bowen would be like you know the per- perfect sixth. yeah
1: um yeah well, I, I guess agree. we
0: could say that about defenders as well
1: we could yeah i mean i would yeah. just scrap the forward spot to be honest entirely maybe antonio now but again that's you know based on his last few weeks you wouldn't have him but um i think i think that looks pretty good i mean it's just the whole thing with Man City is you just hope that they turn into a team that's going to start scoring a, a whole boatload of goals then they turn up to every game as the heavy favorites and with West mm. Ham they're obviously a very good side but there are games where you could see West Ham turn up and just not turn up particularly or not do that well mm. whereas Man City is quite hard to see that over that run it, it does happen though Man City do have those off days but that's kind of the leap of faith you're taking I think is that Man City will win this game or most of the games quite comfortably 2 or 3 nil. And hopefully you'll get a slice of the pie, right? <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's what it's about.
0: And I, I guess the caution is because going into that Man City Watford game, it's always traditionally a very high scoring game. So I guess we knew it was going to be a high score. I, I guess we might have thought it would be my, more high scoring. But just watching Should've it. Been, yeah. yeah. When you've got like three Man City players and they're all starting, it's just so fun. You know, when they're playing well, um, it's more fun than like because watching West Ham against Chelsea. And I know that's a hard picture. That wasn't. Fun if you owned, you know, West Ham attackers, for example. um
1: No, we do it. We do it for the dream results, and that could have been yeah. six, seven nil, couldn't it? Um, Watford are comfortably the worst defense in the league. You know, across, across XG delta, they're they're right at the bottom, and it is obviously a good fixture. So you'd, you'd have hoped for more there. But targeting those games with the very top teams, I think. I don't know if you looked at the fixtures recently, but I think like um the three best teams, so Chelsea. Uh, Liverpool Man City have all kind of got the worst defences in the league all coming up in the next five they've all got, sort of got a combination of Leicester Newcastle Norwich and Watford mm-hmm. which are the worst four teams so for me getting at the moment I'm probably going to gear towards having three Man City three Liverpool three Chelsea And my plan is pretty much that that the best teams are targeting the worst defences and I hope I'm going to hit the lottery on one of these six or seven nils across there or maybe a couple. That, that's, that's what I'm going
0: to try yeah they're the best bit I always remember that Man City I think it was game week 38 of the lockdown season um the one where it was with project restart I think where City beat Norwich like 7-0 or 8-0 mm-hmm. um I remember that with the three City midfielders it was one of the best days so I guess it's almost chasing that high of you know hitting the jackpot even though that's like a year and a half ago now um, you, you just just try recreate that because if you get that right you get one of these huge green arrows you're talking about
1: yeah and ultimately we're playing a game and it's the fun way to play right it it is a fun way to try and cheer on and have some fun because we started off this pod quite depressingly I thought with well I certainly (laughs) did with we've all got template teams and it's all about EO and we're all just chipping away and it's our edge pieces and it's like no screw that I've got this master plan that everyone's (laughs) going to score eight goals in it and I'm going to go for it because what else could you try and do as a manager right I I don't want to play as a robot every week I know it I know it's probably for the better but one day we'll get lucky, Rich, me and you, and we'll take over the world with with these tactics.
0: <laughs> it's it's funny because you mentioned that like um going into the pod. And I guess into the going into the pod, I'm just thinking of you know, sensible, these are the sensible things I've thought about. Um but, but yeah, these kind of discussions, you know, I, I love them. And I know this discussion was meant to be on West Ham. Um but basically <laughs> <was> saying, <laughs> No, no, I like it, I like it. But basically, we'd be nice about West Ham, but Man City, you know, I guess have that potentially have that higher ceiling. I guess the final thing would be you know we've said that strikers aren't very good so would you because I think I'd prioritize having Antonio over Bowen if I could only have one just because the forwards are so bad you might as well go for go for Antonio if that's a reason to to justify it I know there's quite a big price difference between the two.
1: Yeah I could get behind that I, th- I think Bowen's you know expected goal involvement has overtaken Antonio's and his his numbers are actually better in recent weeks but I, you know, I go back to the historical thing. Antonio's been a lot better for a long time, so it wouldn't be a surprise if Antonio just suddenly kicked back into gear, right? And like you say, the striker spots are so bad; it almost feels like pretty good to use one up. I think there's a very good argument to have both. I mean, like I've mm. got Antonio now, I, I could easily do the Ronaldo and Bowen thing. I mean, that that could work wonders. But um, yeah, I think one one or two uh, over this run is is highly sensible.
0: It's it's going to be popular, having to thinking thinking about it. And then it does make owning if you just own one, it's not quite as fun. Um, you know, if, if you're watching the game and yeah, you, you don't want your player want, you don't to want score
1: the assist for your player and exi- yeah, vice versa or whatever. That's you the just
0: because mm. I remember selling Antonio early in the season. I just had Ben Rama, but I almost preferred that West Ham just didn't score. But even though I had Ben Rama, because I just didn't want Antonio to you know score. Um, that seems to be my priority, but that's brilliant. So I think that rounds up the headlines. Um Just quickly to say, um, if people want to join the FPL Surgery Podcast League, the code for that is 4U2742. Um And if you want to join our Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. And in the Slack channel at the moment, Iceman's asked me to remind people there's a cup competition going on. So you just have to go in one of the channels and basically put a football emoji. And it's starting. it's starting in a couple of weeks, I believe. Um, but all the information um, will be on the channel there and i think we will go straight on to a couple of questions if that's all right luke um we've got some really good ones the, the first one I'm, I'm really keen to hear your answer it's from chris agosa so chris has asked or said uh, i think we sometimes forget that fpl is a relative game so i'm interested to hear how you guys try to stay ahead of the field in particular you know engage managers so top 10k 100k engaged managers now have easy access to underlying data fixtures and press quotes, so it's so much harder so look, like, how, how do you try and you know stay ahead of the field
1: uh, well if i knew that i'd be ahead of the field he's asking the wrong <laughs> man um no i i really like this question because mm. i just see it you know a lot of what content creators do and I'm not knocking it by any sense and mm. and, and uh, like all the data like I said everything's out there is pretty much how to play the game in a sensible way to pretty much beat your casual and do pretty well right that that's kind of what it's geared towards and there is almost this next step for me where it's like well I don't really care about that I kind of just want to pe- beat the people that are around me which if I do I'll do really well anyway because they're obviously fantastic managers all the leagues I'm in and stuff and I think there's an edge to be gained because a lot of players actually play the game for FPL and they don't necessarily watch football and get involved in where the tactical shifts and and what lineups will be. They're kind of, I mean, literally any time I put anything on Man City, for example, the next question will be, what should I do to my team? Which one's nailed? Which one will play the next six games? It's like, (laughs) I don't actually know those answers. You know, I'm just putting together my thoughts and looking at the forums and looking at So what I would say to that answer really is stuff like, I think Man City are one of the best teams in the league. I think there was an avenue of, of opportunity there that people miss because last season they're like right Man City rates rotate too much I'm not gonna have anyone on my team from the beginning with and even the casuals were saying that like I was walking around work you know like work leagues and people making it like no I'm not even Man City players you know they just messed me about sort of thing and it's like okay well there's an opportunity there to do well because Man City are the bookies favorite to win the league at this last start of the season anyway they're a great team and everyone's gone off them even though I mean their, their fixtures were okay to start the season but they smashed it and they often do that and their prices were incredibly cheap, as we talked about. They were way cheaper than they should have been because of that rotation. So it's stuff like that that I tried to look at and try to think, well, you know, is there an avenue there? Is there going to be any nailed players here? Because, you know, Cancelo pretty much showed it straight away. I mean, I think it was on Black Box pre-season before it starts, saying, I think Cancelo can, can do pretty well this season and, and is a good option to start with. And I think people agree, but they were like, well, he's just not nailed, right? Well, maybe he is nailed. Um, you know, he is their best fullback by a mile. And circumstances might have just led to the fact that he wasn't nailed and then obviously Mendy had his issue. So it, it's a very long-winded answer but I guess it's just looking for those really high upside people that people aren't willing to take the risk on. So the Lukaku's, the Sterling's have already mentioned. These are players that are there and have a history of being very good. That They've got some sort of issue or nostalgia around them that people don't want to don't want to pick them and that's kind of what I'm grasping at these days is to look at the lineups of these teams who you know can these players come in and, and perform and um, that's just the way I like to do it and it doesn't always work but at least I think it's a little bit more fun
0: I wish because I, I heard you touting you know Cancelo and saying he might be more nailed than you know we tend to think and I you know I wish I'd listened I think look I think I was stung by the start of last season so I just didn't start with Man City players a bit like mm. you're saying your colleagues did um and yeah I mean his start to the season was incredible like he's had good points recently. But there were those points at the start of the season that would have been, you know, I imagine his EO must have been tiny.
1: Yeah. It was the same for Chilwell and James. Yeah. I mean, I... It sounds like bragging now. I'm not bragging. I'm like 150k, but I got Chilwell and James game week 7 before... I think Chilwell had played one game since he came back for his injury and decided I was going to get him. And James, I got him as well, and I think actually the first game he either got injured or he came off the bench for a one-pointer. So I I could have moved him on, but I kept holding him because these are the players. I think that the very top managers are probably taking the slightly more sense, you know, a risk-free approach of waiting to see a little bit before they game. And I think over the course of many seasons, that is probably going to, you know, it's going to win out overall. But if you're trying to, to make moves or jump rank, you kind of almost have to take a little bit of a chance for them and go early because look how quickly those all became tempo players. Again, they always have, they actually have to work. That's the, that's the other part of it. But um, it's very tricky i think going early on these certain players if you identify them before other people that that is pretty much it identifying before anyone else does who could be a really good explosive asset and it's incredibly tough to do so because of all the information out there
0: yeah no i completely agree with you on that i mean i didn't get them as early as you i got them on game week nine so two weeks after you because i was messing around with alonso before my wild card while mm. you were probably getting all the chill well points um, but that's where my season turned because i was about yeah four or five hundred k and just getting on, you know, you've got the same back four as well. Those four defenders, you know, that was getting, you know, changing formation as well. Um, I tried to do it as well with three. It can go wrong there. I tried to do it with the, you know, the, the three-mium. You know, I had Ronaldo, Lukaku and yeah. Salah. That, that was the reason my rank was so bad. But then I guess adapting to a new trend. You know, I was stubborn for a while, but then just th- realising this isn't working and you know, I because I even had a back four before I went for premiums. I was rotating like Eiling, Cody, and Webster. I think for one of the spots, um, or two of the spots. So that that's the that's the main one I could think of. The only other thing I could think of for this question was going for a slightly different chip strategy. Um, obviously I bench boosted. I didn't do that great. You know, I only got nine points with it. But I believe FPL Focal. I think he's going to go number one in the world tonight. He bench boosted the week after me and i mean it goes without saying he's he's number 1 in the world so i'm not saying you know he's definitely going to win it i'm not saying that my bench boost was a good thing to do but you can look to do little tweaks that are slightly different that, that's probably my probably my my only other thought on it really um it's just maybe trying to look at a slightly different chip strategy but obviously it could go very very wrong i just think there's pros and cons because when chips first came in there was a a time where i think all the people who've been playing a while or were talking about fpl realized you could save these chips till the double game week and we used to get these massive boosts but i think even the most like unengaged you know people playing in the office mini league i think they started to cotton on what people were doing so now everyone's doing that everyone's saving the chips for the double game week so i don't think there's much of an edge in in doing so i don't know if you agree with that luke um i just think that it's not as big a boost as it used to be and we think in our heads like oh I'll, i'll sit at 300k use my chips finish 5k and I don't think that's the case anymore.
1: Well, I I mean, I, I think they introduced them to basically to spice it up, to try and keep people engaged in the game, to try and have a little mm. bit of fun in there. But ultimately, if they're going to release something like that, then it's only ever going to really benefit, at least on paper, the most engaged managers who completely plan exactly when they're going to use them and how to do it. Now, it hasn't always come out with the correct result doing that in the double game, because we've seen in the past, but there has been some massive success stories as well. And yeah, so it's a really tricky balance. Them. They're trying to get the casual more engaged, but ultimately, any tools they give us is, is only really going to benefit the most <laughs> active managers. So, I personally don't like the chips. I mean, I know that they they are a lot fun, but I think there's a lot of luck behind them. Like you just mentioned there yourself. I mean, you can use it in a single game week and just get like 40 points from it. And I mean, every week you look at the team of the week and they've used a the chip, and you look at the team and you're just like, what the hell is that? <laughs> like, <laughs> how have they managed that? Right, um. So, yeah, I, I I guess you're right, though. The strategy isn't set in stone that you have to use them in a double game week. And I think sometimes we do forget that because if you've got I mean, we, we're all going to do it again. But most of us have still got them. We're going to look at these double mm-hmm. game weeks late in the season around Champions League games. Then we're going to get like Man City double up with three players and they're all going to play one game each. It's going to be pointless, but like, it will happen again, I'm sure. Um, so I think if there is ever an opportunity like you obviously saw and like Focal saw where your bench is just too good on paper, um i don't i don't particularly hate using the bench boost in particular because i think that one is is highly lucky
0: yeah and i just think it helps streamline the end of the season like there's a few different things you could do like you could actually wild card the same week um as a double instead of doing it like the week before yeah. you don't have to carry bench players at the end of the season i mean i guess you're putting a bit more luck in you know if you're in a, like a mini league with lots of engaged managers they're probably going to follow a sim- similar strategy. So then it does put a bit of luck because you could lose huge points at the end of the season. Mm. Or maybe you're not planning for a, you know, a bench boost. So you do something a little bit different to people planning for a bench boost and get lucky. So maybe I'm talking about getting lucky, but I guess going for differentials is trying to get lucky as well. So I guess it's just playing like a slightly different... Yeah. Um,
1: well, it's all yeah. the planning around it, as you mentioned there. I think it's the planning that you avoid by using them in those singles and stuff. Like you can now wildcard... All- uh, in the double and just have your perfect team which could could outscore all the people who've actually been planning for weeks and making their transfers in and out you know who then get hit by an injury and it takes mm-hmm. the, the plan away or they have to take a minus four you know so i think there's an argument to it
0: Or well, even wild carding like the, you know january comes around say half of our teams are all out with injuries or covid or anything like that and just being able to wild card without thinking about the bench boost but i mean it's probably not a way a guaranteed way to get ahead but I think your answer was so good, you know, just trying to look ahead, you know, at those little little players like, you know, the defender trend, for example. Um but it's a it's a really good question. But it's a it's a difficult question. I've got I've got a question um here from Vardy Boys who's asked, with the lack of forward options delivering, how am I crazy to consider the double up on Watford attackers alongside Antonio? So I've seen a few people talking about this, Luke. Um I think going for King and Dennis as, you know, very cheap, very cheap strikers. Would would you fancy doing that?
1: I, I think that's great, to be honest. We just talked mm. about it. There's lots of midfielders alike. I think using your transfers in mid because we've almost got this settled back four at the moment, or many of us have, or even if it's a three, you don't want to make too many transfers there. I can't see Cancelo, James, Trent not being options unless they're injured throughout the whole season. I think they're just ridiculously good options. You know, the fact that they've conceded a couple of games in a row just doesn't change anything about that for me. So where do I want to spend my transfers? Well, similar to the beginning of the season. I want it on the midfield kind of form explosive picks and stuff. So if you've sat there with Josh King, who's got great stats, they've got good games, he's really cheap, he's probably on penalties like we discussed. And then you've got Dennis even if he is your first um bench option and you you're playing with the, the two up front. I mean the fact that they're from the same team doesn't really mean anything to me. I think if anything, I, I'm a player who likes to when the fixtures are good And they look like good options. I like the double downs and triple downs because that's where you make your gains. You know, it can can blow up in your face, obviously. Mm -hmm. But um, having Dennis, like, say, first sub and then King and then another striker, I think is a good option. And even if you want to go Dennis and King and a a 4.5, I don't think it's the worst. I just don't know where you'd end up spending your money at the moment is all because, yeah, you probably have loads left over, I guess, if you did that.
0: No, you would. You would but I like the idea of it. I mean, even just if it's just those kind of prices, you know, with the absolute you could have I mean, Tony's not an option anymore. So I guess that makes it even more even more viable just to go to the complete, you know, you could even potentially look at like Pookie, Dennis and and King if you really wanted to go down or but yeah. we've got we've got a question um from Juiced. I don't know if we're gonna have a clear answer for this, but I'll ask you, Luke. Um would so say would you rather Ronaldo and Bowen or Lukaku and Bernardo?
1: well i think objectively ronaldo and bowen is just better Mm. like it's they've got better stats they've got better you know arguably better fixtures um so that that answers that really anything else i would say would just be my my opinion i'm actually going to go lukaku and uh, bernardo silva (laughs) even though i think is probably better (laughs) just because i can't bear the thought of moving from one template to the new template again and i already talked about it right um Man City have also got very good games. There's potential to get slice of a, you know, a, a hopefully a big pie where they're going to start scoring a load of goals and they're going to step it up a notch. And Lukaku is a bit of a differential, but I think objectively it, it's Ronaldo and Bowen. I think.
0: It's it's funny how the game week's not even ended and we already all know what you know what the what the yeah. new template is, what the Pressing, new moves. It? Yeah, it's 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 really it's
1: really weird. <laughs> I, I I think we talked about this before the pod side. Even if there was no content right now, we shut off all content. We weren't on Twitter. All of that stuff. I think instinctively I would know what to move it would you as well I think you would right I think we we've so far into this now that it's almost instinctive that those moves would be obvious is it not
0: I think so because I can't see past like the the four defenders we've got that seems like so obvious even if you just looked at points you you'd go for yeah. those four I mean maybe some people wouldn't notice the points of Alonso because he's not getting many but then historically you know Alonso is a good asset so I mean yeah I think it, my team wouldn't be that much different if I, you know, if I just had, you know, just watching, watching mm. football, maybe looking at a couple of stats on SofaScore or something, you know, nothing like going in, I don't know, a member's area and looking at stats, just looking at very basic stats. I th- yeah. think I wouldn't be far off this. I don't feel like I've been pushed into these moves. I just feel like everyone agrees on, you know, sim- similar moves.
1: Yeah, because they're probably the right player. Right? Even if they, even if they don't work out, we've got to obviously trust the the decision, not the outcome, haven't we? And we're all coming to the same decisions for a reason unfortunately because it just seems like it's a quite a clear path at the moment
0: yeah no it is is. and even with pookie like you said you know i he clearly had good fixtures so when i wild card it was like he hasn't got good fixtures immediately but in two weeks it's it's an amazing run so yeah even that you know i still go for there wasn't some kind of you know you community go for this it just just felt you know felt right
1: it felt Um, so good and it was yeah (laughs) yeah
0: um we're trying to cram a couple more questions in then we get on to our teams um this question from ryan i had to just read it out and <laughs> the game week's not even finished yet and i'm on a minus eight for game week 16 what should i do um <laughs> he's done he's done kane to ronaldo son to jota and alan to bernardo um i mean do you think he should just stop <laughs> stop doing transfers <laughs>
1: you go first. you go first on this one i keep answering first what do you think no
0: it's all right um i don't know They're, they seem like moves that can backfire because i, I want to keep i mean son and kane out for ronaldo and jota i mean i like the jota move and then he's done alan to bernardo i mean I, I don't think i'd have done it myself i think i'd have been too scared yeah. and just happy to have kane and son for one more week
1: it's hard to know because i'm, I'm presuming alan was on his bench so has he now got a, a player that's that he's a got point. a bench that's
0: good um oh, you know, see, I su- see I was assuming because people's squads are so good that Bernardo coming in just means someone else gets benched and then you might end up with bench points
1: yeah like Bomo or someone on his bench probably I imagine something like that um yeah I mean you, you probably don't want to do minus eights every week they can work <laughs> <laughs> they can work obviously and good luck to him but um yeah that's probably a, a bit hasty especially as the Champions League and stuff. But I can understand the rage transfer of Kane out, I really can. I mean, I, it was all over my timeline. I felt like doing it myself. So I think Ronaldo for Kane's probably a good idea. I think having Jota is should have been top priority, you know, to be honest, a while ago. And it's good mm. you've got him. But losing Sun right now is tricky, right? I mean, you've got Sun. Do you even want people who all always had Sun and Kane for this little run of five? And then suddenly the Brighton and Leicester games look really good as well. And he's and he and Sun's just a good asset. So you kinda want to keep him, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, with Son, I'm I'm definitely keeping him because the figures are not bad. He's not impacting on my team at all. They, we haven't even really talked about Rashford or Sancho that much, but, you know, if they become options over the next couple of weeks, I've got the money there straight away to move to them. And at the same time, Son does give me an easier route to, you know, Lukaku, Ronaldo, Kane, if that becomes a thing, um, you know, over the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, I'm happy with Son, um, just as a pick just to sit there for now. Um, but yeah, um we do we've got one final question. Now I've actually I've seen Top Gun before, the film. I know this question's about your the podcast you did with Az. Um but I can't really remember who Goose is. But Mark wants to know if you are <laughs> as a Goose.
1: Wait, am I Az or Goose? Wait, no, no. Oh. Am I am I Maverick or Goose? That's what he means.
0: Oh, um, I see. Is I, Maverick I, Tom Cruise?
1: He is, yeah. Okay, so I know I, that bit. Obviously I'm Tom Cruise. I'm better yeah. looking. I'm obviously <laughs> a bit more radical have you seen as his team he's literally like 5k in the world by picking go on like the F, live fpl site look who the top eo players that has are and he's got 1 to 11 in his team i'm not kidding you so boring so that that is goose all over you know he's the old pros didn't there he plays nice and safe and i'm the young, young up and comer who's eventually gonna overtake him and he knows it he's just waiting for the for that moment
0: I, i'm just looking at his team now actually um I mean, it, it was it a case of I can't remember. So when he wild carded, were they all template then, or have people flocked towards it? Or don't
1: I... don't spoil the illusion. No, he <laughs> picked him up. And, no, to be fair, he 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 made some great calls. I mean, he got Smith and Ramsdale, and that's what I was talking about right at the start. You know, those those two players alone have just absolutely smashed it for him. And um, yeah, he got he got on them pretty early. To be fair, so um, maybe he is actually the maverick, and I'm just <laughs> a dead goose.
0: So, the, <laughs> so, so there'd be like the players around the fringes we were talking about getting them in early. And then, cause this is the other thing like you said, if you get on the players early, um, it seems like everyone just goes to them anyway. Like Reese James went from like 5% EO to like 90 over like two
1: weeks. Yeah. Gone are the days. This is really, you know, I know Firmino's injured, so Jota's not as risky and therefore people get him. But I was going to get Jota in even though Firmino was, uh, was not injured. That was going to be my transfer that week and it just seems now that people are even got to the point where you know you can play risk free but the more you, the more you play risk free eventually it becomes to your detriment sometimes when there are players like Jota, Foden, James, Chilwell who go back a season ago no one would have had them in their team and now they've got them and they they're absolutely smashing it, and I'm really annoyed about that because they're my kind of my ways to try and benefit and they're slowly slipping away from me and it, it's it's frustrating and it feels like Any player that you kind of get right now, if they do well for two weeks um, and they have good numbers because we kind of need that as well. Right. But but not always in Smith Rose case, for example, Um, (laughs) (laughs) everyone gets them. And it's uh, it's kind of irritating. So hence my desire to try and get someone like a Lukaku or a Sterling in and, and be just a little bit different.
0: Just to try and differentiate from other people. Yeah, because I I, I I mean, it wasn't EO a few seasons ago, so I, it might have not been a thing. But I do seem to remember having like a back line. It was like Dean, Doherty, <laughs> yes, dreadful. Mendy. But it felt like no one had those players. It felt like they were like real differentials that no one owned apart from a select few. But I mean, I could be remembering it completely wrong.
1: Um, no I think the budget was a lot harder as well that was we had yeah. when did we, we basically not at any point this season we had to really even evaluate getting 4.5 million defenders I think right at the start of the season Ben White was kind of appealing at 4.5 didn't really even work out I can't remember if I'm missing someone now but it was
0: yeah it was Eiling, like Cody
1: right that was it, it was, yeah yeah
0: Fafana before he got injured
1: yeah um yeah but it it seems like the kind of calibre that we're playing within our team these days is just of such a higher standard across the board. Like I said, I'm going to have a team soon with three Man City, three Liverpool and three Chelsea. I can't remember having that in the past seasons. I used to have you know, absolute rotters in my team, like left, right and centre. It's just not the case anymore. Like no, everyone...
0: that's, that's, that's the thing. I actually feel like I go into games, but I've got a player in a game and I feel like every single one can score. Whereas normally I would yeah, like you say, a couple of like rotters, like, you know, oh, this player will never score. Or yeah, really... I'd have
1: like Tadic in my team and stuff. Like that before. <laughs> have people he... like that, and they just you don't want to dream.
0: No, or yeah, and if or if you had a midfielder who scored maybe once every five or six weeks, that was like a yeah, just mm. set, set and forget, keep him in your team. <laughs>
1: Whereas now you've got like Liverpool's centre forward for seven point five million in yeah. the midfield, and you're absolutely devastated if he doesn't score every single week. Yep.
0: <laughs> it's, very, it's very, it's very, even though everyone owns them, because people yeah, are getting angry knows. about Jota missing when yeah he's like everyone's got him anyway, it doesn't matter.
1: He's he was literally 91% EO in the top 10K, and people are fuming that he missed. Just <laughs> eight people if he scores. Just, it doesn't matter.
0: I was, say, I was saying it was a bit like a Ponzi scheme, because if you get into these players, like say you get James or early and they score, and then everyone else starts flocking towards them. As the original owner, you don't care as much if they score. It's the new owners that want their transfer to, you know, score straight away to justify it. Yeah,
1: yeah. So
0: there's a lot of players I feel like I don't care about too much. Um, It doesn't... Yeah. Do, do that much but should we go through uh, we've talked about our transfer and captain plans a little bit already but should we just like discuss those quickly um, so do you know do you know what your transfer is going to be I guess it sounds like you're uh, weighing up whether selling Kane's the right thing to do
1: I think I'm going to sell Kane despite being almost certain he probably scores against Brighton um, it's got to the point where I don't care like I don't care if he scores a hatchery versus Brighton I just want rid of him and I know that's not the way to play but I think many will agree with me on this point. So, um, no, there's
0: a lot. I, I've not seen many people sticking up for him, apart from non-owners. <laughs>
1: yeah, I want to because, like I said, I'm not a person who really cares about the past points, and his stats mm. were okay, and you know, he's he's gonna score. He is a good player. But anyway, I'm backtracking and going back over old things. Um, it's basically do I do Kane to Ronaldo and Rafinha to Bowen, um, or do I do Lukaku and Bernardo Silva? And I'm probably going to come down on the second one just to be different, I think. Um, That's kind of the plan. And, I mean, the captain's going to be Salah, unfortunately. I'd like to captain a Man City player home to Wolves, but I think Wolves, I think they're in the top four for expected goals against. And I think they'll make it tough. I mean, they showed this week how tough they can make the game. And although I think Man City will probably still win quite comfortably, it just seems like it, it has the potential to be um a tricky game for them and yeah do i have to say anything i mean i've extended that more than i need to it's it's just captain Salah, isn't it
0: basically no but every week we try you know try try and make it sound a bit more interesting like oh josh keeps saying he might captain trent and he he never does i mean i know he won't
1: <laughs> no. it's just
0: to try <laughs> try and make it more of a debate um who's you going to be your vice captain there we go
1: oh uh, yeah the vice captain um <laughs> Well, I suppose the obvious answers are still Trent and Jota, because Liverpool seem to do it every week. But yep. I do think the wingbacks can be discussed. I mean, I said about Cancelo last week, Cancelo's again another option. Wolves, um, Although they've got great defence, they can't score goals for love nor money. I think Cancelo's still a very good, decent option if you were to captain him. I think mm-hmm. James is a very good option versus leave. Um, so it will probably be one of those. Uh, probably go Cancelo, because he's. Uh, I'd be more confident that he starts than, than James even. So, yeah, vice-captain on Cancelo, I imagine.
0: There we go. So yeah, vice captain's a lot more, lot more exciting. Um, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think so. For for my, move, I'm going to captain Salah as well. Vice captain, I think I'm just going to put it on, put it on SOM, um, just because I know he definitely starts. Even though, like you said, Cancelo, he's not even in the Champions League squad either. So you'll assume he starts once again. Um, so my move, I'm g- probably going to play a four five one, and it's Rafinha out. And my initial thought was to go to Bowen, but I might just go to Boden. But I've got the exact money. Um, you made some good points on Bowen though, and maybe I should consider it more because something that does is then I've got a bit of extra, you know, I've got some actual money in the bank because I don't with, with all these Brighton injuries, I don't feel great with Sanchez in goal right now. Mm. Um, I keep every, every single week I keep saying, maybe I should get rid of Sanchez, but then he might get more saves and it's using the transfer on a goalkeeper when I don't really want to pay 0.5 more for Ramsdale or De Gea.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, use me as your, um, as your trial in this, I took out Sanchez when he got his red card and got in Guita because it's only a minus two on paper. Mm. Right. Because I had no backup keeper oh. and that's just been tragic. Like, although from this point on, I'd probably prefer Guita just because of the injuries to the, the Brighton players. I still expect, like you say, Sanchez will probably get a few more saves and is it is it ever really going to be worth the swap? I'm not sure it. I'm not sure it is.
0: It's, it's hard to know because it sounds like with that with that move you did, you didn't have really have much choice because you didn't have a, a backup. Whereas... And I got lucky. I had played Foster, who got an assist. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> against Man United don't, don't of all teams, me. as well. Yeah, like that's that's ridiculous, ridiculous luck. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've just been thinking about Sanchez for so many weeks now, and it's, the price is just going up and up. And maybe I should just wait. So, I, I, and I think because I got two transfers, if I roll two to next week, I can always reassess. So, long story short, I'm almost certainly going for Foden. So again, I'm dragging this one out, Luke, um, <laughs> and I'm captain, captain in Salah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that's a I think that's about it, Luke. But no, thank you so much for coming on. It's been great having you on, and it's been nice that we've gone from talking about template teams to something a bit more interesting. You know, as the pod went on.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me on. I try my best to try to make it uh, a little bit fun at least, because, like I said right at the start, I feel like we can all sit down now. And I think maybe this was even off the off the pod. And we can kind of instinctively know and then even if we don't instinctively know we can look up what our best moves are these days and it's almost like you don't you don't need to seek out um content particularly hard and uh, the moves are pretty obvious right so it's nice to try and find somewhere else a, a different direction even if even if it doesn't work in the end i'll give it a best no, go
0: it's very true because a lot of the time i go into the pod thinking i know my, what my moves are going to be and then just you know discussing it then listening to other other pods you know, I do start to maybe change my mind. Um, and I I quite like that because otherwise I think I just get tunnel vision and then do silly things. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, there's always a balance to be had, isn't there? And that's why some people say, Oh, the content creators forced me to do this and do that. And it's like, no, you've got to own your own decisions at the end of the day. You know, I, I personally take in as much as I can and then do my own thing stubbornly and, um, you know, for better or worse. And I think that's, I think in the end, you always just have to own your own decision. Right. And I think, I think that's pretty good advice in general.
0: Yeah, no, I com- completely agree, completely agree. But no, thank- thanks for coming on, Luke. And, you know, if people, people probably follow you on Twitter already, um, but how can they do that? And if you want to plug anything as well, go for it.
1: I've got zero to plug, but um, you can you can uh, follow me on Twitter if you wish. It's at FFScout underscore Luke. And um, I generally just post my comedy scores each week, but feel free to to get involved.
0: The, the Man City stuff is very, very useful. I always keep an eye out for that. I, I look Basically, with Man City, I look out for your stuff and I look out for Emma's jump-the-wave stuff um, with the ah, predicted nice. line
1: Well, I'm currently... You know, it sounds like bragging. I don't know why I keep sounding like I'm bragging. I'm not normally <laughs> like this. In her, in her skill predictions of her, uh, of her little sort of uh, group that she does. So I'm, I'm right up there. I'm right near the top. So well, It sounds like
0: well. I set that up. <laughs>
1: it, it does, doesn't it? I'll pay you later. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I can, I can promise i can promise luke didn't get me to say that um or to, or to ask that um no but luke thanks again um and um, you've just got one more thing to say up the pod up the pod